What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. NBA 2K Mobile lets you put together your dream team with your favorite NBA legends and current GOATs. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Sharon Saratsva with us here today, and we're going to be going over his story as an entrepreneur, because I know that I, I've been following you for quite some time now, Sharon, and it's it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, and you've built so many amazing things. So first off, I just want to say welcome to the show, and I, I really appreciate you coming on. Awesome, man. Casey, thanks for having me, and, and people don't realize how uh, in short, short amount of time, you've done so many amazing interviews. And just getting people on, interviewing them, making sure you share the message of the world. It's a lot of work. So I want to thank you for thank you for doing it and putting this stuff out there. Thank you, man. It really means a lot, honestly. So one thing I want to get into is because even for myself, whenever I listen to podcasts, especially interviews, it's like, all right, uh, whether that be the intro itself or the individual that's on there, you instantly want to know, like, who am I listening to, right? So I'd love for you to just kind of give a brief recap about what you're currently working on today so that people are kind of caught up to speed before we get into the story. Yeah, totally good. So, so um, today I'm, I'm the CEO of a company called Kingston Lane. We build, we are the world's only push button platform for the real estate industry. Okay. Uh, we started this company just 200 days ago. And in 200 days, we have thousands of users uh, uh, across 10 countries right now. But wow. this all, this all came about well, about seven years ago when I took over a company called Telus Properties in, uh, in the real estate space in Beverly Hills, California. Okay. When I started, we had 35 people. And it was doing pretty well. It was doing, we, we were doing a lot of sales, 300 million in sales with 35 people. So really good business. Yep. But uh, we grew it 10X. I grew it 10X in five years. So in wow. five years, we grew to $3.5 billion business. And at the end of last year, we sold it to a public company called Douglas Element, which was one of the uh, kind of the most notable sales in the, in the real estate business. So we grew a business 10X in five years, 700-ish people. Uh, 3.5 billion in sales. And then I realized I wanted to build something international. Okay. And that's why I built this technology platform, which we just launched called Kingston Lane. And that, that's amazing, man. So, so I'm sure everyone that's listening, they're like, all right, built and sold a co- or built the company to 3.5 billion in sales. Is that correct, right? Correct. So just for a, like an instant question, I'm super curious. Just to have that sort of 10X on that business of going to 3.5 billion in sales, I think a lot of the young people that are listening, the average audience member is, I would say, 16 to 25, right? And when people hear that number, it's like you hear 3.5 billion. It's something that a lot of people may not understand what that means, right? So just for their sake of things, what was the team aspect like on a day-to-day business, day-to-day structure for a company like that? You said you had 700 people. Just what was the day-to-day like within a company that was doing that sort of volume? Yeah, it's um, so it got big, right? It got big and it, it, it's complex. Uh, so we had a, uh, the team was big. So when I started, it was just, you know, a couple of partners and a small team. And then yeah. as we grew, we added more and more people. And so like, I'll give you the, the first thing. The first thing that we learned very quickly is 
when a company gets big, if you don't stay within your zone of genius, yeah, like what you do well, stuff will fall apart very quickly because okay. um, because the fractures, the fractures of a of your of your skill set when a company that big are are very easily noticed. So, for example, people will tell me. Um, it, when my operations team will, you know, kind of build and grow a new office where they, they, they say Niho, that means Sharon, you can do nose in hands off. Okay. So I can smell everything. I can touch everything. They're like, Hey, Sharon, you can smell, you can see what's going on, but this is not your lane. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not, you cannot touch this. And what you realize Casey is that, um, sometimes like I have a partner, he's our COO. He runs all our businesses. He's okay. completely back facing. He runs all operations. He has full control. So I, if he may do something only, uh, 80% of the way I want it done, but he's going to get it done and he's going to do it with full responsibility and full care. And most entrepreneurs can't let go. They want everything done their way. And if you want everything done your way, you will always stay small. You will always stay, uh, you know, perfectionist and you will never be able to grow and scale and impact more people. The more you can let other people do what they do best and it may not be exactly your vision mm-hmm. but it will get the job done and let you do more of what you do best that's when everything starts that's a that's a really big lesson totally and uh, so there's there's this amazing quote and I, I think you'll appreciate this everybody says in this personal growth space oh what's what are your strengths what's your weaknesses yeah yeah and they're like let's work on your weaknesses and this is amazing quote which says when you spend time working on your weaknesses you have a bunch of really strong weaknesses <laughs> Right, it's, 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 it's crazy, and and if you can't like really dig deep and say, hey, I'm good at this, like I'm good at connecting with people, like if we can't build into our ecosystem what we do best, yep. we're in the wrong ecosystem. Totally. Right, and, and and as soon as we realize that, like even your associates with building empire, even you, your podcast, your companies, your app, yep. you figured out how you serve well, and the team around you does what they do well. Right. Thank you, man. And and without that, there is no growth. Without yeah. that. And it gets bigger. Now you're doing everything and it gets more stressful. Yep. For sure. So, so um, for you, did you ever go through, I'm sure like there was a lot of, I would say mentorship that got that to that level of thinking, right? I'm sure you've went through a process where you were trying to be that perfectionist, right? So just so the audience knows, just number one, like when did your entrepreneur journey start? Cause I think a lot of people, they, they hear this advice, they hear uh, the, the quotes or they hear the, the tips, right? But I think everyone likes to know. And that's the reason that I love doing podcasts is like, where did this, I would say, level of thinking come from? When did you actually take that first step to actually building your own business from an early age? Like, what was that like in your life? Yeah. So um, early on, I um, uh, so so my the time when I really first made money, I, I, okay. I did like the whole baseball trading, stamp trading, things like that to like pay for stuff. But the, what happened was my parents, uh, my we were not very, we were poor, and okay. my parents sold everything that they owned. They sold everything, like. Everything okay. that they where, owned. Where are you guys from? Uh, we were. I was born in India. Okay. And my parents sold everything that they owned to send me to the U.S. Everything. Wow. And they said, Sharon, here is one check. Um, it, it's gonna carry you for one year. So I had my first year of college paid for, wow. room, board, laundry. But I had one year. And my dad said, Hey, if you can make your years two, three, and four, great. If you can't, come back and we'll take care of you. So they gave me a safety net, but I had only one year's worth of tuition. That's all I wow. had. Wow. Okay. And so I had to do something my first year <laughs> to know that I would come back my second year. And I'll, this is the first thing that happened. So I, I walk into my dorm room. How old were you at the time real quick? 
I was uh, 17, 18, okay. so 17. Okay. So I walk into my Perfect. dorm room, Casey, and this was the, this is, uh, I, I'm 38 right now. So I walk okay. in my dorm room and this was not a long time ago. And uh, this was the first time that they were hooking up like ethernet cables yeah. into the dorm rooms, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You, otherwise you had to go to the library. <laughs> the, the funny part was the, uh, the, you entered the door and there was this ethernet box where you could plug the cable in, but the, uh, the desk was on the other side of the room. It was 16 feet away, right? <laughs> so I said, huh, this is interesting. Every dorm room in, the, in, in college is wired this way. There's an opportunity. So I, I maxed out nine of my roommate's credit cards oh for, for $17,000. Really? And I went and bought hundreds and hundreds of feet of ethernet cable and I stocked my dorm room with it because I knew okay. that everybody would need 17 feet of cable because they would have no idea. Yeah, and I yeah. sold out the entire cable. Oh wow! At I, I sold it at three times markup. <laughs> three times markup. So, so, so wait, I, is that is that that's within the first month of being in that dorm room? First week. <laughs> the first week. Okay. So the first week of being in the dorm room, I made my tuition and everything back for paying for next year. No way. And and so so we made so we made close to fifty fifty five thousand dollars in one, in one week just selling Ethernet cable. That is. That blows my mind. So, so just so I'm clear, you, you go to the U.S. for what what part to be exact? I was in Iowa. I so was that something where like your you said your parents gave you the check and did you go off by yourself? Were you with any siblings or how how did that just, how did just, that never work? It was just it was just me. I showed up. I had no idea. I'd never been to the states before. That, that was the first time. Wow. First time. So. That, that just blows my mind. So you go to the, this dorm room where at the time, like, were you fluent in English? What was your um, life like back then? Just yeah, I, I could I could speak and understand, but it was not, I was not fluent at all. I, I was okay. starting to listen to accent tapes just so I can, I can be, okay. I can speak. Uh, but I just show up and I go, I have, I need to make, I, I want to make sure that I can come back next year. Yeah, I really yeah. wanted it. And I, I, I was grateful for my parents or what they did. I'm still grateful today, but that's all they could afford. And yeah. I didn't know how else to make money. And I said, wow, this could, but we took a big gamble, you know, maxing out credit mine and my roommate's credit cards. And he took a big gamble in me, but he made a ton of money too, That's because awesome. we were 50, 50 partners. But uh, I didn't, but I showed up with two bags. So I had no clothes. So my entire closet was filled with cables. <laughs> that is hilarious. So just that thought process of, I would say making that happen, like prior to coming to the US, like, because obviously a lot of people, they, they wouldn't look at that situation and say, all right, let me make money here, number one. And then number two, let me solve people's problems. Like that entrepreneur tendency of, all right, let me put money in to then get more money out. Like from someone that was growing up in a family of not entrepreneurs, like was that always a thought process growing up of like figuring out ways to solve people's problems and to fix that thing? Like was that always going through your head or was that something where you just saw the opportunity right there and then just executed on it? Yeah, great question. So my parents are my parents are um, were entrepreneurs. They're retired now. Okay. They built a small advertising company, uh, just like a mom and pop shop. With you know, they had about ten employees total at the height at the height of it. Okay. And so I saw my I saw my parents hustle. I saw my parents. So we did, we were not very wealthy. Like we lived in a one bedroom apartment. I slept okay. on the floor. Um, I slept on the floor till I was 14 wow. uh, and, and because my parents slept on the bed, I slept, I didn't know any different. Yeah, yeah. I had one small cubby in my, in my parents' closet. <laughs> that was my only place where I could keep my clothes, but I didn't know any different. I was happy. My parents took care of me, but I'll tell you the story, Casey. Once my, and my, my, our, our apartment was our office. My okay. parents used our living room and our, our, our dining room as the office. And once they had a meeting, and they had a meeting at like 7.30 in the morning. 
And um, I had to go to school, but I had a rule that if there was a meeting, I couldn't go to school. Okay. So I just stayed in the bedroom for seven straight hours. Really? I had no water. Like I had no, like I couldn't go to the kitchen because I can't leave the bedroom. I just stayed there. And what you do is you learn to like, you learn to be in solitude and you like think about stuff. So I would just say, Hey, if I got out of here, I would do this. I would build this. I would just dream of of things, but I had never had the chance to go out and be entrepreneurial. Was it? I didn't know how to go. I, I didn't hustle. Like I, my parents were like, Hey, you can't go ask for money or whatever. Or you okay. can't go sell something. I, I did a paper route, but that's all I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was when I, I'd ride my bicycle. I, I'd throw the paper, okay. I'd throw the newspaper into the, into the porch, but that was the, so I, I earned money early on, but necessity, necessity is the mother of everything. Right. And, for sure. And, no, that's, and if, that's crazy. So, so growing up regarding like coming to the U S was that always sort of like an end goal for you personally saying, Hey, I'm going to go to college in the U S or how did that sort of roadmap to moving out to Iowa just by yourself at 18 years old? So it's a great question. Um, you're, you're really good at this stuff, man. You really know how to pull great stories out. Thank you. Um, so I, I, um, I was just, I was, I was not a very talented kid, meaning I was like a B student at best. I was, uh, so I was colorblind. So I would get kicked out of art class because wow. I would do things wrong. I was tone deaf. I am tone deaf. So I can't sing. I can't play musical instruments, all of that. Okay. I was somewhat athletic, but not uh, decently athletic. And um, I was, uh, I had ADD, ADHD, dyslexia. So I was socially awkward. Okay. And so my parents are like, like, who is this kid? Like, what are we going to do with him? Yeah. He gets kicked out of art class in, in third grade. He's kicked out of music. He's decent. At, I mean, he, he's a B minus student. He never gets picked in sports. I mean, I was, it's crazy. I, I would not get, um, kids would make fun of me. I would get, I was a small kid. Okay. Uh, I, I grew in high school, but I was a small kid. I would get bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, there were times when I couldn't go from one classroom to another, like just in a two minute walk because I knew that people would bully me. So I would run all the way around the school wow. just so I wouldn't get bullied. Right. And being bullied is like the worst. And you know, it happened and I never told my parents and all that. But one day my parents found out they re- they found out that I was struggling in school. They found out that I was colorblind. I was tone deaf. I was getting bullied. Okay. They found out that I had, you know, diagnosed conditions like ADD and all that stuff. And they said, you know what, Sharon, India is not a place for you because this is not a safe environment. They don't, it, 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 they they instantly look at you and say, oh, that kid's stupid, right? That's they they label you. So my dad said to me, he goes, we need to get you out of the country. We need to get you somewhere in an environment that is not gonna ridicule you. And for that, I really thank him, right? Yeah. And he told me, but you don't have any skills to get out, and we don't have any money to get out. So we okay. need to do something. And he said, you need to get good at something, and I don't know what it is. And I and we were sitting on a bench, Casey. We were sitting on a park bench. I remember this, I was 10 years old and my dad's telling me like, we have to get you out of the country. I was 10 years old. That's crazy. <laughs> You're like, yep, right? let's do it. And, and I was thinking like, I was, I was like, get me away from these bullies. Like that, that would be great. Yeah. And there were these tennis courts across from us. And my dad said, Hey, do you think you could play tennis? And maybe that's an individual sport that will get you out of the country. And I said, well, I don't know. He said, we don't care about school. We don't care about grades. We don't care about anything. We're going to focus on tennis. And the only thing we care about really? is you getting good enough to get out of India. Wow. And so for six years, all I did was eat, breathe, sleep, That's play tennis. Crazy. And that, I, I got good enough to get out of India, to go play 
you know, I tried to play on the pro tour. I was good enough to get out of, I was not that good, wow. but good enough to get out of India and, and tennis was my passport to leaving India. That is, oh yeah, that was, that was a missing, that was the missing link for me. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story. So, so you started tennis at one eight, like what age you said that was, ten. you were 10. So, yeah. and then you said you went to, was it college for tennis in Iowa? Yeah, so uh, once you play, so I tried to go play pro, and once you play pro tennis in the U.S., you can't play college tennis because you can't go from pro to amateur status. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. But, um, but it was a, I tried to make it, I didn't, but but the colleges will still recruit you and yep. say, hey, we can't give you a scholarship, but you can still play. Okay. So <laughs> okay. I went to a small Division three school okay. just so that was my way of getting, getting leaving India that and getting is, to the States. That is so cool. Do you still play nowadays? Uh, just rec just recreationally. I actually, okay. uh, we, uh, this is a good story. We, um, after I actually built another business right out of college, we built a business, uh, in the technology world that got bought. Okay. And after we sold that business, so that was our, that was our first exit. After we sold that business, I took five years off and I okay. taught tennis in, uh, the Caribbean, Dubai and Maui. What a life. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so for for the uh, real quick, I want to go back. So, how many companies have you exited, just for the viewers? Because I know that you said that once before that you've had another exit. Because I think yeah. that's, that's something as an entrepreneur, and I think a lot of young people that are listening, like they hear, oh, you exited that company, you exited this company. It's like that's an end goal that I think a lot of people want to get to, right? So, for you, like, how, what's what's the number of companies you've exited, just for the viewers? Yeah. So, as a as a operator, um, as an operator right now, so um, us owning and exiting three so far. Okay. Um, so three companies and um, and as an investor, multiple more that we've invested in, but having run, built and run three companies so far. Okay, well, that's amazing. So how old were you when you first exited your company? Was that after college? That was after college, so around 2021. Okay, that's amazing. So you, so just so the people know, you, you this whole tennis, this missing link that we missed at the beginning of the interview, you played tennis, came to the States, and the first day, first week there, you end up making 55 grand selling cords, right? So from, from that point on of like entrepreneur business mindset, you're going to school, I, I would believe, and you're in your classes. Are you still dedicated in time to tennis or is it that's off to the side and you're full dedicated on your studies and you were planning on working a normal job or where did like having your own business actually like come to fruition in your mind? Like, oh, wow, like let me actually build something myself and see where this goes. Yeah, I never had any thought of building a business. I, I just wanted to survive. I didn't have the money. It was always about, hey, how do I come back to school next year? That yeah. was all I was thinking about. And so I played tennis because um, I was decent at it and, 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 and in college as well. So I played tennis during tennis season and I was in, in school the other season. Okay. But my entire goal, Casey, was like, how do I come back next year? Can I have enough money to come back okay. next year? Um, I worked I worked a good, I worked almost full time. Um did I did every job? I uh, my first job because I had no skills was, um, you know, cleaning toilets. Okay. I did I did janitorial stuff and I would do it uh, at night because I had to go to school during the day and I was too embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want anybody to know that I was doing that. So my shift was eleven p.m. to five a.m. Wow. So I would I would just mop. Hustler. Yeah, I would do. I would just mop toilets. I would you know, and that's when I would listen to accent tapes. Okay. So I could so I could actually learn to speak English. So I would put on accent tapes. And I would just mop like the science building, mop the arts building. Okay. I would clean toilets. And you know, until you have cleaned a toilet, man, like it doesn't, I'm not saying anybody should, but and my parents didn't know I did that. Yeah. But I cleaned toilets, flipped burgers, made pizzas, collected as much. And Casey, that's when I realized everybody's in this mindset of they think they can work the hours and make big money. Mm -hmm. Right. So, if I had worked, I, when I started uh, doing this, uh, minimum wage was $5.15 an hour, right? Okay. So I work eight hours 
and I make $43. Yeah. And yes, $43 is good, but I, I, people have to realize that I've worked 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. I haven't slept yet. Oh, my Lord. So yeah, then I, I go to ask that. 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Then I go to class. And then I go like work, flip burgers. Like it's a constant thing, no social life, whatever. For sure. But then you realize at the end of like a month, you made, I don't know, like $600 yeah. and you pay taxes and now you have 400 bucks Yeah. and you go to Walmart and you buy like a, you know, like a, like a winter coat and then you're done, you yeah. know? And so I realized Casey that I go this, this working trading time for money. Mm. That was my big switch. Trading time okay. for money doesn't work because yes, you can have a decent life. Yes, you can. You can, you know, have a job and get a paycheck and do that. Yeah. And, and that's a good stepping stone. But if you want to create big pops of wealth, if you want to actually take the risk and you need to own equity, that's yeah. like, you need to have an equity based compensation and you don't need to own hundred percent of a company. Like everyone's like, Oh, I want to start my company. I want to have hundred percent of it. I'm like, no, yeah. like hundred percent of zero is zero. Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but if, 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 if somebody listening to this right now can say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to partner with Casey and Sharon as equal partners and we're going to launch something. He gets the benefit of your network, my network, our experience, and he gets to be along for the ride. Like yeah. how amazing would that be? Right. Yeah, no, that, that's the truth. My, my partner says that all the time. Why, why would you want to own hundred percent of nothing? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's and and I, I'm a big, uh, but some people Casey are not just, are just not built for partnerships. Like I'm a good partner. Like I stay in my lane. Okay. I work my ass off and uh, good partnerships. I've learned that you, the person, like if you and I are partners, I have to take a hundred percent responsibility for our partnership. I can't yeah. say it's 50, 50. So Casey needs to show up. That's yeah. not it. I take a hundred percent responsibility. Therefore you see me hustling. You take a hundred percent responsibility yeah. and then we both crush it. Yeah, for sure. So, so your first business that like you say equity wise, that was like, you need to own equity and people that are listening, they're like, all right, like I'm starting something by myself. I don't have any partners. Like when you first started your first company, what was that? Just so, cause I'm super yeah. curious. Yeah. So I'll give you the story on what happened. So uh, I was a computer science major in college. Okay. I go to, um, I go to university of California, Berkeley, and they have this, um, this is after Iowa from Iowa. Yeah. So it was my senior year. I was almost done with school my okay. senior year. And I go to pitch, I go to a pitch contest, uh, where you pitch it, where you pitch ideas. Okay. So I'm pitching an idea on stage and I don't win. I don't win. Okay. But one of the judges, after my pitch pulls me aside and he says, Hey, Sharon, I have a proposition for you. I just funded a company that has three guys that are building something pretty cool. And they're they're They just started. What you presented is the missing link on what they need. Okay. If you choose to talk to them and join them, I'll put more money in. That's what he said. Wow. So I said, who are you? I don't know who these guys are. Like I have no relationship. I don't yeah. know anything about starting. Like, I don't know. So I met with them. We built the business. We, I, we joined, I joined them. So it was four of us. Okay. Uh, and we built a technology business together. And that was when, my, uh, you know, that investor actually wrote his first check. And that investor from that day, 22 years ago is, is my partner today. Wow. No way. Yeah. And you got, you met him at a pitch conference yeah. or pitch tank. He was, a, he was, a, he was a judge in a pitching conference. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is, so that, um, what was the company exactly? It was a, tech-based company, correct? Yeah, it was an optical switching, optical network. So we built like big network devices. Wow, that's so cool. And that was, so that was, so you go to school for computer computer science, correct? Yep. And was was it sort of the transition of like, you said you were that missing link, right? The, the, the two people that you met, how did that, I would say, conversation go? Were they your age? Were they in college? Like, what was the, the three 
partners outside of the investor? Yeah, they they were they were very open. They wanted to, you know, they were young. Uh, they were all my, uh, we we're all on the same age. And the investor made the introduction. And he's like, "Hey guys, nothing changes. You get the missing link to the puzzle, and Shran's in here, and I'm gonna write a bigger check for yeah. you guys to go build your dream. Like you should do this." Yeah. I mean, we I got very lucky, right? Very very lucky. That's amazing. Uh, but but we all took on uh, when the investors came on, we all took on a ton of debt too. Okay. Like we had to, we raised a ton of money, but. Like we took on a ton of personal debt. I borrowed, I called friends, family, like after I yeah. graduated, my uncles, aunts, I borrowed to the hilt. Okay. I was so leveraged. I borrowed, I borrowed everything. And I was like, if this doesn't make it, Casey, like I can, I got to move to Australia or something. I can never look my, look my family back in the face, but we had a, we had a great, great exit. And then I paid everybody back. Okay. And that's how I was able to take, you know, five years off to kind of figure out what I was going to do next. So, so when was the time in your life when they, um, when you got, when you guys became partners, you were how old? I was 21. Okay. So you're 21 and you're still in college at the time. I just graduated. Okay. And then when did you exit that company? At what age? So that was uh, two years, 23. Wow. So it was just a two year run with that first like full time, like baby you would call a company, right? Yep. Okay. And so just for people listening, I'm not sure if you want to share this. What was the exit that you guys exited for? Um, it was a, so it's a good story. Good, good question. So um, um, the company that bought us uh, bought, so I'll tell you what happened. We started it. Okay. We got a bunch of investors. So the founder, we, we didn't know what we were doing. We were 21 okay. year old kids. <laughs> the invest, the investors that came in uh, re- start said, Hey, we need to run a much better company. Right. So they actually brought in professional operators to run the business. That was really hard on our egos, by the way. It was very hard on our egos. Totally. Um, But I didn't realize what had happened. What had happened was the contracts that they had written to buy, not to buy us, but to bring the other people in dramatically diluted and reduced our equity. Okay. And when I say dramatically, I mean, not 10%, not 20%. Wow. 50 times lower. Wow. 50x. So so when I say this, if you have 50 bucks, now you have one. No way. So if you have $100, now you have two. No. Right? Wow. Uh, the company sold for $550 million. Okay. Right? So, and we went down, like, we, this would have been a home run for all of us. <laughs> yeah. And we not only, after we got paid out, 50x lesser. Yeah. Then we had to still pay out our debts. Okay. Okay. So on paper, it looked like I was Richard Branson's brother, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but, and, and nobody knew about any of this because once the formal operators had taken over, mm-hmm. uh, the, the four original founders, our names were nowhere, nowhere to be found. Like okay. we were wiped off the face of the earth as okay. far as credit and credibility and all of that because we didn't know any different. Yeah. And that's when I learned how investors work. That's when I learned how contracts work. That's when I, it's called a ratchet contract. It just ratchets you down. Okay. It starts at a hundred and ratchets it. I had no idea any okay. of how any of that worked. So, so for the people that are listening, like what, what would you say is the most important thing to do when let's say someone has investors or they're looking at contracts? Like obviously we can't get in too depth of analyzing a contract, but when, when you were 21 and you say your equity got diluted, like how do you look for that to happen? If you're looking at investors, maybe someone's listening right now and they're either talking to investors, they have investors, like what's the number one thing to know before you go into a contract like that so that you don't end up screwing yourself at the end of the day? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, very simple. Uh, we call it, uh, what we do, like I'm an investor now, I'm investing 13 companies yep. now. We call it a sensitivity analysis. And all that it means is in, in very simple language, it means that, yeah. um, 
uh, Casey, you start a company, I give you a hundred dollars and you yeah. say, okay, if my company goes is worth a hundred dollars tomorrow, what do I get? If my company is worth $200 tomorrow. What do I get? Mm -hmm. If my company is worth $3, what do I get? Once you see those instances, now you realize where you fall and what actually happened. Got it. You break that down and then you give it to, you just need a good attorney. Got just it. Break that down give it to a good attorney and say, Hey, is my math correct? Okay. That way you're going eyes wide open. Cause what everybody says is Casey gave me a hundred. That's cool. I, my company's going to be worth 3 billion. So we should all be good. The numbers are so big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be just fine. Like everybody, we call the, we call it the, you know, the, the problem with large numbers, right? People just think just because the number is big, doesn't mean you're going to get a big number. Yeah. 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 And hey, that, that was, the best that, message. I heard that I learned that lesson the hard way. And that's why I'm very protective of equity, very protective of terms. I keep things really simple. Okay. I'm very transparent about this stuff. And, but that investors made a lot of money. And my partner today was an investor. Then he made money and he said, Hey, I'm going to help you. So he's like a father to me now and okay. we're partners. And he's been my partner in every company, including wow. my current one. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So it, it blows my mind. So you're, you're 18, you move to literally from India to America. Then you're saying, Oh, exit the company, whatever the number is 500 million. Right. Um, what are your parents thinking at this stamp, like this point in your life when it comes to you move out at 18, you, you sell $50,000 with the cords and now you're exiting a company with those type of numbers, right? Like just, I, I, it just blows my mind. like to think about the story of how that led to where it was and where it is today. Like what was your, what was going through your parents' mind when you were just going through this like four year process from like 18 to 21? Yeah. So great, great question. I'll actually, there's a story I should tell you before that, which I, I didn't tell my parents a lot of this really? until, until this year. Uh, <laughs> this year was my coming out year. On Wait, this year, 2018? This 2018 no was way. A, my coming out year on telling a lot of stories because <laughs> I was just afraid as to how my parents would feel. And for those that are listening, I, I want to tell you a story, Casey. And this is a, like, it brings tears to my eyes sometimes when I tell the story because it's, it's, it's the truth. So, um, so I'll walk you through exactly what happened. So I have this one check. My parents give me one check yep. and they say, Hey, go do your thing. You know, it's awesome. So I show up my first day in school. I come early for international student orientation. So I come like yeah. 15 days early. I go take my check to the financial services office or the, you know, whatever. And I say, Hey, hi, I'm Sharon. Here's my check. They're like, awesome, Sharon. Thanks. Everything's good. You're good for the year. Yep. By the way, since it's an international check, it's going to take 10 to 14 days to clear. I said, no problem. I understand. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. But the funny part, Casey, is I had no money. Yeah. Like zero? So I had a dorm room, zero money. So I had like a hundred bucks, okay. which I needed to buy. I needed to take a cab. I needed, like, I didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. So at that point I had maybe like 10 bucks. Right. Okay. And I thought that I would get my room and board plan so I could go and eat at the cafeteria. So, yeah. I had, so for 14 days till the check cleared, I had no money. So for the first couple of days I went to uh, every pizza party that I could find pizza party. <laughs> I would go to any party that there was. Yeah. And I was this weird kid standing in the back, trying to stuff his pockets and eat food. Right. <laughs> and after a while, it, like a couple of days later, I just got hungry and I had never, I experienced hunger before, like almost okay. poverty, like hunger. Yeah. And I was walking by a dumpster and I saw two guys toss two big pizza boxes into a dumpster. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm a little hungry. They just tossed the boxes. So I'm yeah. sure there's, you know, some good pepperoni or something in there. Yeah. I waited, I was embarrassed. So I waited till it was dark. Okay. Put my hoodie on, jumped in the dumpster, grabbed the two boxes of pizza. There were like two or three slices left. I ran to my dorm room, 
I had my dorm room, luckily, and I just ate the pizza for a couple of days. Wow. And, and like I would take two, three bites at a time. I didn't have a refrigerator, so I would I didn't want it to go bad. Okay. So I, I, I that happened. And then I said, okay, crazy. two days later, I'm walking by this dumpster again. I'm hungry. I'm just drinking water out of the water fountain, and, and water fountain. And I see these two guys throw two big Subway sandwiches into this dumpster. Okay. So I said, okay, this is a bonanza. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I wait till it gets dark. I jump in the dumpster. And as I pick up these two as I pick up these two uh, Subway sandwiches, Casey, I see a box of Pop-Tarts. Okay. And I'm getting greedy and the strawberry Pop-Tarts. And I'm like, awesome. So I grab these box of Pop-Tarts and suddenly, I kid you not, it's dark outside. It, it, I'm in this hot dumpster. Suddenly I see two yellow glowing balls. And I'm like, what is that? And then I get smacked in the face and I start bleeding. There's Whoa. a raccoon in oh the dumpster trying to, trying to take this box of Pop-Tarts from me. And I'm <laughs> in close confines with this raccoon and I'm fighting this. So I don't know what to do and fight or flight kicks in. And I kick this raccoon. I grab the box of Pop-Tarts. I grab these Subway sandwiches. I jump out of the dumpster and I'm like, do I eat or do I get to health services? Because what? I get a tetanus shot. I don't want to get rabies. Oh my God. So I sit down under a tree. I eat some Subway sandwiches. I eat half a sandwich. I run to health services. I'm bleeding. I got like a three part, like a, you know, small mark on this, on my that cheek, on my crazy. cheek. And she gives me a tetanus shot. And, and, and the nurse knows exactly what happened. Cause I'm smelling like I'm from a dumpster. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, man, like that is when everything changed for me. Wow. When I believe that if that is as bad as it's going to get, if that is as bad as it's going to get, I'll be okay. Wow. I'll be That's okay. Insane. What um, a story, man. Dude, I could not tell that to my my parents. I've still not told that story to my parents. My my mom heard it on a podcast and my mom heard me cry. And okay. she wrote me an email case and she said she's the subject was podcast. We need to talk. No right? way. And I I still have had no courage to tell my mom that because they sold everything that they had to send me. And the last thing they wanted was for me to yeah. dumpster dive to survive. Wow. Right? And I have because of that, I, I was very reluctant to share any stories, any successes. So my, my parents were always asked, they're like, hey, uh, are you okay? Are you staying for another year? Are you yeah. good? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I got it, whatever. So I'd work, I'd work two jobs over the summers and everything. But I never shared a lot. Like to answer your, did you share with your parents story? Um, even after my first exit, even after our last exit where we grew our business to $3.5 billion in sales. Yeah. My parents had no idea about the magnitude of the growth. Really? Yeah. Wow. Are they still in India? Yeah. So my parents are still in India. My parents are retired. They live in India now and they're, uh, we have children. So my parents are, they spend all their time just talking about my, my children and their yeah. grandchildren. So, okay. but my, 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 they're great. And so what I decided this time, Casey was my new company, which we started recently, I've been telling my, my dad everything about it. Okay. And, you know, I told him, I was like, Hey, I don't take a salary. Like I write a check. I hire people. Yeah. I, don't, I don't take a salary. This is what I'm growing. My dad's like, wait, you don't take a salary. Do you need some money? And I'm like, I'm okay, dad. Like I'm okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and, but now wow. it's, it's really helped my relationship with my parents because I let them into my world a little bit. Yeah. So, so um, maybe this is the question you're asking. It's really hard to be, to grind and be an entrepreneur uh, and people talk about being an entrepreneur as a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. Like for you and me, Casey, I think it's a curse. Okay. Like we can't do anything else. This is how we're wired. <laughs> and and because of this, 
it, it affects our family. Like my wife is like, Hey, you're never here. Like you're not present. You yeah. work on the weekends. You can't leave your work and work. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's how I am. And yeah. We're better now, but I think it's a curse and we need to have really great people around us, a really great support system around us to support the crazy dreams that we have. And may that be good best friends, may that be a partner or spouse, may that be parents, may that be family, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, et cetera, like go, yeah. go, like you need to recharge with the, your core because we're out there grinding and hustling so much that we got to be reconnected sometimes. Yeah, that is what a story. So, so it was just like your parents had no idea whatsoever about yeah. what was going on. No idea. What a, that is a crazy journey. So just in, in the situation you are now, like you said, with your parents, super good relationship, you tell them everything. It's like, even up to the point where when it comes to the, the growth of your first company, and I think that's something I want to touch on again, just regarding like up to that exit point. What was your, I would say like day-to-day -day life like when it comes to that, right? Where you graduated college before you went full force into that company or like how did that transition look from 21 year old kid that's just in college to now working on that company? Like, was there a time frame? I would say like after college where you were fully dedicated or how did that look? Yeah, good question. So um, I, I, we started that before I graduated. So I was okay. still, um, it was during the Silicon Valley boom. Uh, we what, were building what year all was this, this? tech. It was 1996, 97. Okay. So this was the height of the boom. Okay. And, um, and this is when 97, 98, 99, all the growth happened. And we, I, I was in this, uh, I started, we started the company in 1999 and then I started full-time 2000 and then we sold the company in 2003. Wow. So okay. the, the, uh, man, all I did was work. I worked on the stuff because we were so excited about it. And yeah. We worked on the stuff all the time. I was single. That was really helpful. Yeah. yeah. And um, I I had a really um, uh, minimalistic life. Like I okay. would, didn't have much. I drove a Honda Civic, got to work. I just, I spent all my time just building stuff. Okay. And that was what the life was about. And uh, the, the uh, looking back, it was really unhealthy. Like all, it's all I did. I had, I had maybe four friends total. Okay. And three of them worked with me. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And and we just were, I mean, we I, I I used to I used to eat when I get tired, I would fall asleep. I would yeah. wake up, you know, and wake up, work out, work. Yeah. And um it, it, when you're single, you can do that. When you're young, you can do that. Yeah. So if, if the, the young folks on the podcast right now listening whatever you can do right now to hustle your brains out, hustle your face out. If you can just put in more hours right now, you will win so big because I'm 38. I have a family. I have two kids, Yeah. you know, and, and when I go home, I got to have dinner with the family, play yeah. with the kids, two, two young kids, put them a bath, read them stories, put them down. Yeah. Like it, that's four hours in your day gone in the mornings. Like my wife or I have to like drive him to school, drop yeah. off soccer practice. Like this is good. I appreciate it. But the time that you thought you had, you don't. Yeah. And now I, I'm fortunate that I'd done all of this stuff before. So I'm a better entrepreneur today than I was before. Yeah. But uh, the faster, you know, like I would tell you like, if, Hey, if you're listening right now and you can somehow become partners with Casey or somehow become partners with a great entrepreneur, like the, the learning will pay off in gold because you totally. can see how people can lift their lives because dude, I had no mentors. Like okay. I, I, um, uh, I don't know what you think about coaching, but I have an interesting coaching story for you. Okay. Let me definitely got to get into that. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you what happened. So you talk about this life. So I, I attended a, uh, 
my friend invited my, my life was getting completely burned out. Okay. And my, I call my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm really burned out. I'm really tired. I think I'm getting sick. And my dad said, Hey, I heard that, uh, there's this, you know, work-life balance conference going on in San Francisco. You should go to it. Maybe you'll get some ideas. Okay. And so I go to this conference. I sit in the back. I'm really open. There's no cell phones or whatever. I'm taking notes. And Casey, I kid you not, this lady goes up to speak. And I'm probably 23, right? Okay. And I'm a young guy. And this lady's speaking. And whatever she's saying is totally jiving with me. Like, it's, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I, I totally think she can be a mentor and she can help me. And then I... As she's talking, I have questions, right? I'm so I'm thinking about raising my hand, but she's so intuitive that she just, it was like she was hearing me and she was just answering my questions before I even asked. Yeah. And so I'm driving home and I call my dad, Casey, and I say, hey, dad, like I, I went to this conference as you suggested. I met this lady. I, I just like shook her hand, but she was amazing. I really like, I wish I had a mentor like her. Yep. You know what my dad tells me? He says, um, ask her. I was like, well, what do you mean ask her? He's like, here's what you do. He gave me a script. He said, Sharon, write her an email and you have to say this. You have to pick an amount, a number okay. that, that is a dollar amount that is big enough for you, but it's still painful mm -hmm. and you have to offer it. And I said, well, what does that mean? He says, write an email that says, hey, dear so-and-so, I saw you at the conference and you blew my mind. I want to offer you, pick a number, $10,000 yeah. as a symbol of my seriousness. I don't want to be coached or mentored. All I ask is that from time to time, when I email you, you will prioritize your responses to me. Wow. That's all. That was the only. That's all I wrote. Okay. So she responds saying, "Is this a joke?" I said, "No, this is not a joke." And she said, "Hey, if all you're saying is you're going to email me from time to time, and I'm just going to like respond to your emails, give you some guidance," I said, "That's all I want." So I offered her, a, I offered her all, almost all the money I had. Okay. And I will tell you, Casey, like when you pay, you pay attention. Yep. Um, and it's not about like when CEOs pay to work with me right now, I, I it's a symbol of seriousness. Like yeah. I, you can, when someone says, Hey, I want to pick your brain and go to lunch. The answer is no. <laughs> the, the answer totally. is no, I do not go to lunch with entrepreneurs. I don't want you to pick my brain because I don't know if you're serious. I don't know yep. if the time I spend with you is actually, like you're actually going to take advantage of it. But if you say, Hey, you know what? I'll pay you a thousand dollars for 20 minutes on a phone call and you're going to help me with something. I'm in yeah. because I know you care that much that you're actually going to do something. And so all the CEOs that I coach and mentor right now pay me a lot of money. And my job is to deliver them an insane amount of result and they yeah. quit any time. But that was my first time, Casey, where I really like that's when I started to believe in paid, like paid coaching, paid accountability, paid okay. mentoring. And I will tell you, I wish I had done that sooner. Okay. Like actually taking the paying for it so that you can actually pay attention. Like you said. Yeah. Okay. And it changed my life. It, 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 so, it, if there's one thing that changed my life, it's the compressing all this experience. Dude, if I hung out with you and I said, tell me how you built this business, I'm compressing decades into a day. Like yeah. that is a, like, that's invaluable, right? Yeah. Yeah. N nobody, but no, you're not just going to volunteer that information. But if I told you, here's 25 grand, can yeah. I spend half a day with you? You'd be like, okay, Sharon at least cares. Yeah, totally. So what would you say to young people that let's say someone, let's say they're listening, they're going to conferences. Cause we, we have a lot of these events at the house where it's like super enclosed environment, a hundred people, a lot of top level people. Right. But what would you say to young people that are, they're in the mindset of like, they know that 
paying for, let's say, a consulting call or an event is important, what do you think is the determining factor for someone? If they, is it they, they don't trust that person yet, they don't know if they should pay them, but like, what would you say to someone that's 18 to 25 that they know that is something that's valuable, but they haven't pulled the trigger on it? What would you, ta- what would you, what would you say to that person? Yeah, so um, the, 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 the question is only, the question is always just one thing. The question is, can you buy speed? That's all it is, is Got can it. you buy speed? So why, why should you and I go meet with Tony Robbins? Why? There's only one reason. Yeah. He's probably seen 10 times what you and I have so far. Probably. He probably has 10 times the connections. Probably. I don't yeah. know. I'm just, I'm just assuming. Yeah. If he can download his 25 years of experience and his 25 years of business connections to you and me in one hour so that you and I don't have to work 25 years to get there, <laughs> I will pay for it. Yeah. It is it is buying speed. It's basically saying, please install what you know into me right now. Like this is the uh, dude. I, I don't know if you ever have you watched the Matrix. I, I haven't the in movie? a long time. I watched it when I was younger, but I didn't understand the concept of it when I was like yeah. Six so so totally like the the movie is basically like the, the, in this in this computer world, right? The they call in and say, hey, I need a hey hey operator, I need a program to fly this Apache helicopter. The operator says, here you go, and you're like shake your head and you have this program and you're done. Now you know how to fly a helicopter. Yeah. Like that is what mentoring is. That is what coaching is. And it's not like the whole, hey, I'm going to coach you and I'm, I'm going to meet with you, you know, every every week. Uh, we're going to have a coaching call. I'm going to hold you accountable. Did you did you make your call? That's not what yeah. this is. You spend half a day with me and I draw out your whiteboard strategy. Like you're done. Like you don't need me for another three months yeah. until you get stuck again because I've downloaded all my experience onto you. And I would say if you are able to, if you want to buy speed, you should do it. You should take the amount of money that allows you to, it hurts, but it's still, you can afford. Yeah. And, and Casey, the other thing I'll tell you is I, I, I have three entrepreneurs right now that can't afford my fee mm-hmm. and they, three of them pull it together and they do group sessions with okay. them. Right. Makes sense. And so take five friends, combine it and go off for Casey. Like, Hey <laughs> dude, introduce me to your network. Here's $25,000. Can you spend a half a day with us? Yeah. And your fee is probably more than that, but I, but, but, but the, you can also pull resources, right? Totally. And people don't realize they actually think they can hack it by watching YouTube videos, watching <laughs> Instagram live, listening to a bunch of podcasts. But if the, if the information that you can take away from this is like, uh, it, it, it changes anything. The shift is going to happen when somebody sits down with you one-on-one and compresses their decades of experience into an hour. That's where absolutely. that's what happens. Absolutely. No, no, that's, that is the truth, honestly. And I, and I know with Modi, we're at 56 minutes right now. So we have four minutes before this will cut off. So I definitely want to wrap it up. And obviously, um, just for people that are listening and for, I'm sure their minds are just racing. They're like, all right, where should I spend money today? I need, I need to pay for my speed, right? But just, if you had to simplify things throughout your journey so far, and I, I definitely want to, uh, obviously, I want to follow up with you sometime and do an in-person podcast. I think that would be an, an amazing opportunity for me. And I would definitely love to get that in-person experience with you as well. But for people that are listening, I know that we connected on social media. That's where you're building your brand now. Um, where can people follow you and what's the best place to reach out to you or see some of the content or even if they have an, a question or if they have that budget or whatever your fee is, what's the best place for people to contact you? Yeah, so um, um, Instagram is the best place. It's my full name. So when you pick the show notes, it's Sharon Srivatsa is my full name. You can, you'll find it. Yep. Um, Instagram is a perfect place. Direct message if you need to talk. And yep, I'll I try to link all that just, down below. Yeah, and that's the um, that's that's the way to do it. I'm spreading just like you, Casey. I, I'm over indexing on the Instagram. Wanna I want to share? I want to give. Yep. And when the right person comes along, 
if I'm not the right fit for you, I'll connect you with who the right fit is. I love that. Absolutely. So everyone listening, if you're watching this right now, make sure you go check out Sharon down below. I'll make sure that I link his Instagram, Facebook website, whatever it is. I'll, I'll do that research on that and the things, but definitely hit him up on Instagram. That's where we connected. And I know that he'll connect with you as well, but obviously come with value. It's, it's funny because a lot of people, they'll, they'll try to connect with someone, but they won't bring value. They'll just be like, what's up, man? Right? Like if, if you're reaching out to him, do it with intent, do it with purpose. And other than that, Sharon, I very much appreciate you coming on the show today. Everyone, keep building your empire. Appreciate you, man. Awesome. Thanks, Casey. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. Come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.